Hey, thanks for tuning in. Hey, before we start the show, I want to give you some exciting news. Uh, we're we're launching a new book called uh, Digital Labor, The Coming Demise of a White Collar Worker. You can find it out on digitallaborbook.com. Uh, go out and pre-order the book if you can. If you put in the code digital, we'll give you 20% off on the pre-order. Uh, if you ever lost your job to a robot, uh, put that in the code. Put I lost my job and we'll give you half price. And uh, to add insult to injury, we'll have a bot send that book out to you. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Check out our website, and we're excited about this new book. All right, so that's our that's our prediction. We'll you know by the time we put this in the can and get it out on the, it'll be, it's gonna be it'll, it'll be twelve five. It's zero. <laughs> You're listening to Pardon the Disruption with your host Tom Young. All right, hi everybody. This is Tom Young. Let's go around the room. This is Sean. This is TJ Young. This is Rohan Kapoor. Great. Hey, thanks. We got Sean Uman here sitting in uh, as a guest for Bart, who's working on some slides today. Yeah. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, we're going to revisit an old topic we've talked about before around <laughs> cryptocurrencies and, and and the broader technology of blockchain. But in the news this week, Facebook launched uh, Libra, which mm -hmm. is their used to be called Facebook Coin or something like that. I'm looking at the name. Yeah, they called it Global Coin or Facebook Coin. Now they've rebranded it Libra. Anyway, so it's gotten a lot of better news. It's it's out there. But I also want to. We did the show with Rohan. It was April. April the sixth. Yeah, beginning of April. So April the sixth, we talked about you know blockchain and cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin specifically. And at the time, you know, Bitcoin had just for history's sake. Bitcoin's been around since around the, the financial crisis in two thousand nine. It started and it's very slow adoption at the outset. And then it had a, a, a spike in 2013 where it rapidly ramped up to about 1100, 1200. I remember I was in Canada when this happened, I was going crazy. Cause I had followed it when it was like $40 and I just never could figure it out. And I'm saying, man, I missed it. And then it crashed to 200. And then it slowly came back. And then last in the end of 2017, it went crazy again, and it was up hundreds of dollars a day. And as we exited the year, it was peaking right around New Year's, around a little over $19,000. Very similar to manias. You know, there's lots of manias in history around people chasing assets and just irrational pricing, and that, that kind of happened. Bitcoin crashed again shortly thereafter. It's like it started in February, but crashed down to about, call it 3,000. Sat there for a while. And then it started to rise back up gradually. And when it hit about 4,000, that's when we had our show in April. And we were talking about this because a lot of us are invested or we had speculated. I don't think investing is the right word. But we had speculated in multiple cryptocurrencies on multiple exchanges. You know, uh, Coinbase, Kraken, Binance. There were some really weird ones. Was you talking about Tron? There's Tron. I think that was another coin. Was Tron another is coin. a coin. coin. Sorry, yeah. But it's CJ, you had VE Chain. What else yeah, did you have? I had IOTA, VE Chain, um, some of the bigger ones like Ethereum, Litecoin. Yeah. Uh, I had a whole bunch of them. Ripple? That, yeah, they, and they all. You and I are supposed to still exchange, uh, do a crypto exchange. <laughs> yeah, I think it's worthless now, so we can put that on the afterburner. <laughs> what about the Stellar, uh, Stellar I was Lumens? I was big into Stellar Lumens. Yeah, I remember you were big on that. Because yeah. they had some kind of 
IBM connection, yep, and that's the yep. extent of my knowledge because yep. of the FOMO that was going on back <laughs> yeah, then. Right, like, right. saw a headline, IBM related to lumens, and buy. That, yep. That's the extent of my research. Yeah, right. that's right. The, that was the level of mania. That, I actually took my biggest hit on Stellar Lumens. Yeah, it's it's nothing now. <laughs> no, it's 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 not nothing. It's like twelve cents. <laughs> yeah, but I bought it at a dollar, so <laughs> I only bought ten thousand. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so lots of things happened. So we, it, it was going up. And my, my belief was you have to ignore the manias and look at the long-term trend. And the long-term trend is it's up. Now, since the last 75 days, just in case, you know, we're, I'm going to put the live pricing up right now up on the screen. Um, this is, you know, now you don't get price clarity. Every exchange is slightly different, but this is one we're looking at uh, Bitfinex, which is probably the largest, uh, the largest one out there. Bitcoin is now at 9,900. So we were thinking it was at 4,000. And the question we asked the panel, the group, was, do you think it'll be 5,000 or 3,000 next? And if so, if it's 5,000, when will it happen by the end of the year? Well, we're 75 days and it, it just scraped <laughs> under 10,000. It touched 10,000 today, actually. Yeah. Dipped over. Yeah. What did we say? Do we all remember what our answers were? I said it was definitely going to go to 5,000. Yeah, we all said it was going to go to 5,000. We thought it would probably happen in the next, like, 30 to 45 days. And I did, did, did I we say no, that? No, no, not chance in hell we said that. <laughs> to 5,000? No, we thought 5,000 by the end of the year. Yeah. Was it end of the year? I think we were we, we were the right in terms of the direction, but not how fast it went on. Uh, yeah. No and way we said, but is it, what, no way. No. no. So for, if it was end of the year, it touched, I think it approached 5,000 the evening that we'd done a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, before we published the podcast. Yeah. It was already 5,000. Yeah. It before was already 5,000. It lost all relevancy. <laughs> yeah. It was very funny. So well, the, the, the interesting thing, though, the altcoins, which is the alternative coins that are separate from Bitcoin, have not been performing. Like they've been doing well, but not nearly to the extent that Bitcoin has. So, like Ethereum, for example, I think the max that it hit during the peak of the mania was around like thirteen hundred, maybe fourteen hundred. I don't think it went past that. Mm -hmm. It's still below three hundred. Yeah. So, so I have whereas Bitcoin is half of what its peak was. Right. So I have the so live Ethereum pricing up there, two ninety right now. Yeah. So, so it's, it's doing really well, but. <laughs> Not to the extent Bitcoin is. So, and you can look at the total market cap. Uh, it was over 800 billion at the peak, and right now it's only about I think it's just under 300. Well, I'll just pull it up since we're we're doing this. Get 30 the, billion market cap for no, no, it's no, the, for the no, whole market. Oh, for the whole market. Oh, I see yeah. What you're saying, yeah. The, the total market. Was, everything's doing well with Bitcoin. 300, leading. 300 billion. 300. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember TJ, you and I talking. It was hitting in the eights, and we're like, it's going to hit a trillion dollars in January of 18. And it never made it, and it crashed. But it is going back up. It's the three hundred. Uh, so click the three hundred billion. And what what was the bottom after it? It was at up at eight hundred. So about late twenty eighteen. Uh, to two fifty. I can do. I, I'll just do the almost a hundred billion. Yeah, wow, was yeah. the was the trough? Uh, I'm gonna put the the January twenty eighteen. Well, you can see it right there. I mean, it's well, I'm just gonna put in the exact date, and we'll get the number. Uh, 01, right? I, I don't know what the exact date is, though. We're looking at the graph. Well, I'm just saying, the, the mania was when we after the holidays, right? I mean, right there. Yeah. Just so you can see, if I just hover over this, you can see the market cap got around uh, in the low, you know, Keep one, going to the left? 111. Oh, here you go. Yeah. 108. Let's just say it hit 100 billion. Yeah. So it's tripled since from its bottom. Mm -hmm. So uh, right around Christmas time. So you got to go Christmas 17, Christmas 18. It's pushing a trillion, and then it drops to a hundred billion. Still a lot of money, but 
There's ICOs, these initial coin offerings. There's all kind of crazy stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And people were trying to do the get rich quick. You know, they're, they're launching these, uh, a fuck you <laughs> token. Uh, literally, it was a fuck coin. Yeah. And they did it as a joke, and it was, it was worth millions of dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts. And so now it's it hit its bottom, you know, last Christmas, roughly about $100 billion, and now it's at $300 billion. But a large portion of the rise is back to Bitcoin. Bitcoin. And I could speculate as to why that's happening. Yeah. You could say it's global crisis. Could be a lot of things. Could be... So I was Googling before because I had, I have no idea why. And this is an interesting quote. This is from Tim Massad. He's former chairman of the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. He said, I don't think anyone really knows what this mm-hmm. is due to. But you worry that manipulation could be a contributing factor given the lack of regulation and transparency in this market compared to other markets. I think the second sentence is more so, we want to control this. But yeah. the first sentence, he's admitting, I don't think anyone really knows for well, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at the... Um, the volume on this chart, the volume is much higher than it was in, in its peak. So if I just do like a, uh, I'll go back to the hype when it was, I'll do 2016, and that, that year, 2017 was crazy. So if you look at, even during the hype, during the peak, the volume is much higher now. Mm. And what's interesting about this here's is the, the gray we're looking at below the graph. The, the gray the, yeah. of the graph, you can see it. But what's interesting is Bitcoin has a intractable supply, meaning it's mathematically defined. It can't go up, it can't go down. Some of the other some of the other coins that are out there, and there are hundreds of thousands of them. The supply side is that's where it's weird. But Bitcoin is well understood. While it's not regulated, it's a mathematical certainty as to you can't hack it. No one's hacked it so far. You can steal someone's password. That's different than hacking the the Bitcoin platform. But there's a certain supply. It's intractable. So as you see more volume and more adoption, demand is the sole price determination. More demand, more price. And it's highly, highly inelastic, meaning that as soon as there's more double the, if you have double the demand you probably have double the price so the volume is is and when i studied the cryptos early on that was what some of the the real deep experts were saying the guys were fairly humble but they would say just watch adoption levels mm. the more this gets adopted the bigger this will be now why is that important <clears throat> jp morgan originally jamie diamond said he poo-pooed all this stuff and then they did the they JP Morgan evil coin, and then uh, they do the now Libra's doing this with well Facebook is launching Libra. It's it's starting to drive this into the mainstream, and you're going to see more and more adoption of this. Now, uh, blockchain was never intended to be an alternate currency. It was meant to be a transfer or store of value in a transition state, but never to be like uh, replace the money supply. But uh, well, some of them. We're supposed to, right? Some of them are designed exactly to do that. So, yeah. like, so I think a lot of the IOTA all, and Seller Lumens for sure. And we, we were all speculating, but I think we have our one of the reasons Sean replaced Bart is because Sean's our resident blockchain <laughs> and cryptocurrency <laughs> and, and financial expert. 
Uh, Sean, do you have any insights to like tell us uneducated monkeys what's going on? <laughs> um, for the li- Libra, actually, it is a it's a whole bunch of people that are into it together. So yeah. like, there's a twenty eight. Yeah, there's twenty eight members in this group, and this is all like Mastercard, PayPal, Visa, Lyft, Uber. So Facebook is just one of these members in this group. I, I think so. Yeah. And this is very different from what we from Bitcoin because, as you were saying, in Bitcoin. The, the supply is pretty. It's known, but it's always increasing. People yeah. are always buying it's a more. Diminishing, it's a diminishing. It is. It's slowly going down, and it yeah. will cap. This one is straight one for one, kind of where you people will pay money. They'll get their libra, and as soon as they return, exchange back into their currency, the libra is destroyed. And the way these guys make money is they just make money off the interest while they're holding your actual cash. So this is it's a very different form of so it's a, it's a con- crypto it's coins. a conversion of cash into digital form exactly mm-hmm. and then you can use the digital co- coins to tr- you know to go across exchanges of uh, currency which is the, the most beneficial because yeah, those are the I most highest fees the remittance right because I yeah, think the average exactly. the average charge on a, on a remittance payment is like seven percent mm-hmm. so they see that as low hanging fruit um, I think I so reading about it I think. The one thing that strikes me is just I love the ambition of it. And everyone's got an opinion on Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing you can't deny is that as a business leader and a CEO, he takes huge risks to push the raft forward. And I think I think one thing that's going to be interesting to see is as Facebook, with the size that they are, 2.7 billion users on Facebook platform, the question that some people are asking is like, is it going to be good for other cryptos or bad? Like, how is it going to change the ecosystem? And I think by acting as like a block, especially on the regulatory flung, front with such a large enterprise um, and all of these partners that are joining in as part of the association, mm-hmm. I think it's going to completely, in my opinion, change change the game. I would I would guess if I had to, you know, gun to my head, I would say short term, it's good for the entire market because it legitimizes the use of cryptocurrency. So I think you know the rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin will go up, Ethereum will go up, all these other like altcoins, not just Libra. And but the long term, it'll be like dot com consolidation, and some of the ones that are big now might be nothing in the future mm-hmm. as the institutions really mature and take over. Mm. Well, so but 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 think of this as a there's a cultural shift that has to happen here. So yeah. if you go back, pick the time, 50, 60 years before the advent of credit cards or charge cards, as they were called when they first started. <coughs> People associated buying things with, with cash or, or paper checks from dra- drafts from a bank. They didn't, the, this plastic card, this concept of, of an intermediary acting as a vouch for you, you, I agree to pay this other person and they'll pay you. That, that, that took a long time to get adoption. Now we're at a point where uh, I would say young millennials for the most part Will not even don't even don't even carry cash around. Yeah, that cultural mm-hmm. shift has already taken place. Mm-hmm. And if you can say to someone, you, like you Venmoed me twenty dollars, yeah. and I didn't know what to do, so I'd open a Venmo account. I have twenty dollars on some Venmo account. I don't know what to do with it. Within my two block radius for the services that I consume, whether it's coffee, whether it's groceries, uh, I can't I can't pay for stuff with cash. I turned up to the supermarket, and it's a Citarella supermarket. Turned up there and I got a few things. I was like, "Yeah, I took out like a ten dollar note," and so they're like, "Sorry, you can't pay on cash." It's like crazy. So the, the it's being forced by those by those people, and 
the, the cool thing about Facebook is the interface. Again, it's it's all about the the um, the user experience on this stuff as well. Because cultural stuff has to happen, but the user experience on this, the way that people use payments in we, in WeChat in China, it's so easy. It's like a messaging system for transferring value. Well, that's the other reason why Facebook has gotten so much notoriety on this is because they have the platform ready. They have their app, which billions of people use already. They have Facebook Messenger and they have WhatsApp. So it's going to be integrated across all of that. So they already have this platform ready to be used by everyone. And they have a truly global audience. WeChat is yep. dominant in China, completely dominant. We covered that in a previous podcast. But WeChat here, like no one, no one uses that. Uses yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas like there's users in China that use Facebook on a daily basis. So so Facebook is not restricted in China. Did we cover that last time? Facebook is. It is restricted. restricted. It is restricted, right? Yeah, you have to go through a proxy to use. But they it. still can access it. Versus Google's not. It's totally restricted. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, but, you need a proxy, so it's technically, I guess, illegal to to be on Facebook. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. They block it. Yeah. So this, but this is uh, you're seeing, you're going to see a cultural shift of people moving from, you know, cash to credit cards now, credit cards to, uh, digital concepts, digital mm-hmm. currencies. Uh, everything from Venmo, like I don't Apple use pay, Venmo, but you, you, you guys use Venmo, of course. TJ, you use it yeah. all the time, yeah. Uh, Ron, you use it all obviously, yeah. And you use it to do things, and you go out with your friends to split bills and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And uh, and do what do you keep an active balance on Venmo? Yep. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and so and it interacts with your bank. Now, the next thing, so the, what we're seeing is this: there's a convenience side of it. Mm-hmm. It's everybody's carrying the smartphone computers in their in their pocket, so it's a you have a platform. Uh, whether you have a consistent app, but these are out there and starting to shift the culture to make this. So I go back to what is driving Bitcoin up as the sort of the the marquee or the the canary in the mine here is simply the adoption of these things and being people are okay with it. Mm-hmm. They're okay to ascribe value to these digital tokens and. Uh, I want to bring up an article from uh, Ray Kurzweil, and I read this. Uh, this came out. Um, I want to say, yeah, June, the beginning of this month, June seventh, and he talked about five technologies around blockchain. I'm a big, I'm not Kurzweil, it's uh, Peter Diamandis rather. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, he, I think he's a pretty smart guy. But he talked about five things, and I'm going to just read what they are, and I'm not going to clear all of them, but. These are applications where it's important where blockchain solves a, a problem. So the first one is non-fungible tokens, and the non-fungible token is essentially like a an e-ticket. So today, you guys go to concerts or you go to a show, you get a you can get the ticket, you can buy it on uh, StubHub, you can share it around. But if there's there is some risk in doing that, that you're getting uh, that they're selling that ticket to five people. Right. What this allows you to do is to not only make it non-fungible, is that that the fungibility is regulated. So the ticket is assigned to you biometrically, or it could be through another identity form. Mm-hmm. So imagine using this for TSA travel. I have a ticket, and it's non-fungible. I mean, I can't gi- I can't give it to you. But if I have a concert ticket, I can just give you my. I print off the PDF QR code, give it to you. You go to the concert. Mm-hmm. Well, it wouldn't work this way. It would. The ticket would sit in the cloud, and I'd have to bring my identity 
and then the, it would match the ticket. So I wouldn't have to actually worry about having the ticket, losing the ticket, or wondering whether I have a ticket, mm-hmm. right? And I wouldn't worry about counterfeiting. And I'd be able to screen who can go to this event. And you can start even thinking about, we see it less so, but I would say 15 years ago in the Hollywood industry, we saw every time the Oscars came out, they would send out DVDs of these of these movies before they were released. Right. And then they would get pirated, and they'd mm-hmm. show up on peer-to-peer networks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now you can... Uh, basically, rather than give someone a DVD, you can you can go to a streaming service that forced them to I- identify themselves as they're watching it dynamically, mm-hmm. right? So you can use these non-fungible tokens. The next one was security tokens, very similar concept where you're uh, using these tokens uh, tied to a uh, an immutable ledger, uh, tokenized assets, uh, where you get into issues of uh, tying things to uh, uh, like art, authentication of collectibles and things like that. Self-sovereign identity, where you can prove who you are through biometrics and other things. And then free speech, which is the, you know the ability to never have your stuff uh, altered or regulated. So I remember back in the 1990s when I started studying cryptography as a concept, I wanted to understand it. There was a thing called PGP, pretty good privacy. It's what it stood for. And it was basically hashing encryption where you could just hash a, a letter or a, a, an article. Mm-hmm. And you'd hash it. And if you change one comma or capitalization, it would change the whole hash. So you would digitally sign these things and prove that it was you that wrote it. So you'd have a public private key. It was two key authentication. It's so a very similar how. Uh, the Bitcoin technology works. The so, self-sovereign identity, though, is really important for in terms of new streams of commerce that can be um, kind of managed by each individual. Because right now, we're all products. Facebook uses our the data and the tertiary, tertiary data sets that are formed from those primary sets of data and sell that. And that's why these you know big tech companies, especially in social media, are so big. But with the self, self-sovereign identity, if they can really deploy that effectively... We'll, you know, in theory, have control over everything, all the data that's related to us, and be able to sell that if we want to, as opposed to right now we really have no control over it. If you think you have privacy, you don't participate on social media, you're still being data mined. Yeah. In aggregate. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did a show and we talked about the deep fakes, and we have this issue on the online media of trolling and people faking who they are and bots out there on social media platforms, whether it be Twitter or Facebook, you would be, it would be hard to do that because you would lose anonymity. Or if you were anonymous, you may be blocked. You'd have to identify yourself and be traceable. So it would change online discourse for sure. Um, I would like it. I think it would be a good thing, for, a net positive for our social interactions if people had to identify themselves. And if they didn't want to, then you'd know that it's an anonymous and you just take it for a grain of salt. So as a, you know, I'm a public official. We get, we get a letter from somebody complaining about something and they sign it. I take that um, a lot differently if I get an anonymous letter. If I get an anonymous letter, I just almost ignore it. Mm. And the reason is because it costs nothing to write it. And if you allow people to spin up the machine reaction by not putting some skin in the game, then it's not worth it. So... Blockchain has a lot of interesting things here, and what's this, what's interesting is I think what's driving 
the valuation of the things like Bitcoin is the slow methodical adoption culturally of the use of these digital tokens to replace classical third-party intermediary for payments, but then also drive new applications around ticketing systems, security systems, self-sovereign identity, et cetera. Yeah, there just has to be a clear statement on, because regulation seems to be one of the biggest hurdles to a lot of the stuff getting pushed through, um, especially the use cases in finance, which are gonna be the first to really com come to the fore. So there needs to definitely be clear statement on like regulation because we've been talking about this technology we've been talking about for ages and when i think when the facebook thing facebook announced libra the bank of england mark carney it was interesting his 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 statement back because he said i will keep i'm keeping an open mind but i'm not keeping an open door <laughs> so which is a stance change i think from the start like you know we'll put up the walls and make sure this stuff doesn't get through um, so I think like the regulation has to be pushed through, which is why I'm excited to see what Facebook does because they have the power to really block and ta block and tackle a lot of the stuff that comes through as such a big organization. Well, I mean, th think about the convenience of uh, you guys all have iPhones, right? So uh, you have the you use the facial identity, and you just you log in, you enable your face it's ID. Amazing. It makes yeah. it so much easier. It's so much easier. Yeah. Now just take. You take that and you put that into a, an immutable blockchain and then use that in yeah. a not on a local architecture like an iPhone but move it up to the cloud yeah and now all of a sudden I can use that and marry it to other things so again I go back to even you know trusted traveler and um, imagine you did this and you were a trusted traveler and you could authenticate yourself and get through TSA even faster if you if you had certain qualifications Right, you just zip right through it. So TSA Pre does that a little bit, but you know how when you've been through the airport, do they really scrutinize your ID to make sure it's you? I mean, how hard is it to throw a fake ID in there? I mean, not too hard, mm. right? I mean, they're just they're looking at it. How many they're looking at? You know, one every thirty seconds. Yeah. I mean, at some point, it's it's the human error there. Imagine now a machine does it. Yeah. So I used to have this thing called Clear. And I don't have it anymore because <coughs> it's not in enough airports. But uh, uh, my identity was through retinal scan to get onto the plane. Oh, so much easier. So yeah. you walk up and I do a retinal scan and you walk right to the front of the line and walk right through. Ahead of TSA pre everything. And it was pretty cool. You paid a couple hundred bucks a year for it. But if you travel a lot, it was it was worth it. I can't help but think of Minority Report. <laughs> And that they have your retina now. So when they walk in, they scan, it's like, Tom, would you like these Tommy Bahama shirts? <laughs> yeah. 40% off just for you. Tom's eyes are lighting up. Like, I, would be great. Like, I would like that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you hit on one of my weaknesses. So, uh, I do like those. But I, 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 I I'm not fighting the privacy battle. Well, I mean, no. anyone who's done the genome, your genome's already up there, so what's a retina? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what's yeah. a fingerprint? Yeah. I yeah, so I'm not fighting the privacy battle. I I think I don't I don't think you can fight it and win. I think we're we're better off collectively fighting it through um social processes as opposed to individually just resisting it. Mm -hmm. When you understand the technologies around uh, 
forensically identifying you digitally, you'll realize that the fight is futile. Because if, if you even were to cloak yourself, the cloaking is ident identifies you. And unless you're a hermit, the people you're interacting with will identify you through their, through their identity information. So it, it can't be done. So if someone's looking for you, they want to understand you, they're going to find out. Mm -hmm. So I just don't, I just give into it. I'd rather do it through public policy. And I think you can benefit uh, if you understand how this information can be used uh, for your own good. So yeah. I want to hear the Tommy Bahama special if I walk in the store. Right. I don't want them to tell me about, you know, sandals or shoes that I'm not interested in. Mm -hmm. right? be yeah, the advertising example is an interesting one because I think initially you think, oh, dystopian is bad, but it's always going to happen regardless. So do you want it to be relevant to you or just you get the yeah. mass message that's probably not relevant to you? Exactly. It's going to happen to you anyway. Yeah. Well, think about the Spotify, the the AI that will recommend music based on the, what you're listening mm -hmm. to and the playlist that you have organized. It's fantastic. You like eight songs, you like and you and you fit them into a, a style that you like, and you say it'll give you songs nine, ten, eleven, and you know you, you you like two of them, you don't like the third, you add those to the playlist, and it just keeps getting better. Yeah, and you do the same thing for Netflix, Amazon, in terms of recommended purchases next. Now, again, their incentive is to make you consume more. But as long as you understand that, that what their incentive is, mm -hmm. you can start to be thoughtful about how you take advantage of that versus become victim of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The big question with this, with, 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 with like the blockchain, oh, yeah. Yeah, with, or back to Libra too, but it's just who do you trust to give this kind of information to? Because you have to have a, a party or a group maintain this blockchain, right? So it just, it just doesn't exist, and then you just let it you know, just happens. So there, that's that's where the, the big problem is. Is it the government? Do you, do you have them set it up? Or is it just companies like this, like Facebook and forming this huge conglomerate of, of corporate companies? Well, I think it's actually beneficial for, for, on the business side of things, especially when you're talking about financial transactions, there's a lot of cumbersome and often unnecessary reporting standards that a lot of these companies have to fulfill. So they've got to go to the regulators and show them, you know, certain data on financial transactions that are happening through their system. Mm -hmm. But that's like a monthly or like a quarterly thing. So by actually allowing some of these regulators to participate and actually have certain level of visibility into the network, you actually get rid of a lot. It should make the system safer in a lot of ways. Today, today I mean, because the question also comes down to like what are we doing now right like it's definitely not it's definitely not a great system the way it works now or at its best yeah or at its best so i think there's definitely going to be especially with the the blockchain proposal that facebook put out there are going to be parties that see the data and even like it's not it's they call it pseudo anon rather than completely anonymous transaction well there that's why because let's say you knew about let's say okay so let's say all of the um you know, tr your your ID is is all randomized, and you'll never. I would never know what your ID is. But let's say we know a company did a three hundred million dollar transaction. People can go and find and look through each of the blocks and see where is this three hundred million dollars, and then they'll find your ID with it, and then they can see all of your history from that. So that's why it's pseudo anonymous. It's not completely anonymous. I can I can find certain things unless I cloak my three hundred million dollars into multiples. You could do that way. So the, the, in the 1980s, uh, to get after drug trafficking, 
the uh, they came up with a, there's a governor agency called FinCEN, mm-hmm. uh, Financial uh, Crimes Enforcement Network, and they were using forensics to trace money laundering. So if I have a, a billion dollars of illicit money and I need to launder it, I'm going to break it up into uh, multiple components, not identical components, but I want to cloak what I'm doing and run it through multiple parties. But that thread is like a, a mess. And FinCEN was using old technology to try to drive that out. The new technologies are out there with the machine learning and the AI and the data mining that's out there allows for uh, – uh, very sophisticated detection of money. That's laundering. what I'm saying. I could, you, it's almost like as easy as thinking. Like obviously, it's not this easy, but just pulling together every single transaction ID, pivoting it into sums for every single one, and finding out. Oh, on this date, even though it was ten separate transactions, like you said, it added up to 330. Didn't they combine that with behavioral analysis to catch that one person uh, on the dark web? I haven't like, heard of this. Like related to like the, so I don't know if it was they Silk, might have used this. I don't yeah. know if it was Silk Road, but they they like took down some big figure mm-hmm. on the dark web by tracking oh, down the Kim dot com. Was it Kim dot com? No, 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 it's no, not no. that stuff. It's it was another like uh, just an online. Oh, the guy who did the guy who did Silk Road. I don't know if it was related to Silk Road. I know it was a dark web thing, but they used the immutable ledger and the historical ledger of transactions, even if it was mm-hmm. broken up, combined with behavioral analysis saying, all right, he's probably going to do this on this date, and he's looking to do mm. these kind of movements financially, and they track this guy down. And they could prove it because it's immutable. Yeah. Exactly. So it could, it can backfire depending on the resources mm. of the people monitoring you. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So th- this is, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, cash uh, it, at some level is untraceable. Uh, I say at some level because you can always trace serial numbers and flow. But that's why if you go over $10,000, they make it, they, the banks report who's doing that. That's why you can't travel with more. You can't deposit that. You do with get that. the fill an IRS form for more than. Well, that. It, it just and because what they're trying to do is if you're going to money launder money and you want to launder under ten thousand, knock yourself out. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's the big stuff they're going after. So it's at that ten thousand dollar limit. And the, th- these uh, new cryptocurrencies and the way that they're set up, they they can allow for the enforcement down to one penny. Like it's just math. Yeah. Right, yeah. so be very interesting. I, I'm, I'm more, you, you know, I, I'm not a big Facebook fan. Uh, I have an account. I, it's a, it's a relatively static account, so I can find like friends from high school and college and stuff like that. That's typically what we would use it for, is to, you know, right. for just to reconnect and stuff like that. Yeah. Just to have contact info. If someone's trying to reach you. Mm-hmm. Almost like the old uh, white pages, <laughs> right? So, so you, you can look me up. You can find it there, so I don't really use. It. I'm not a big fan of it, and uh, just people a use it blast for blast of nostalgia. There, flicking through the yellow pages. You said white pages, yellow pages. You mean yellow right? pages? No, why I meant white pages. What's white pages? The white pages were the actual phone book, the listings of your name and your address and your phone number. That's yellow pages. No, that's for business. Businesses, yeah. It's for oh, businesses. there was individuals separate... white oh, pages. Oh, okay. They came together though, didn't they? Well, the, the white pages were in the front and the yellow pages were in the back. Oh, okay. And then okay. when they deregulated the phone company, they split the yellow pages because it's very profitable. Imagine the monopolies. Okay. It, you had to put it in the phone book. Mm-hmm. And the phone book was one of the biggest users of paper because they published the phone book annually and you would get oh, a phone yeah. book. Mm-hmm. So the phone wow. book, there was no 411. There, you, could, you could call, but they charge you for it. 
This is right before internet, right? This oh yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but you, it, you had to you had to pay to opt out. So your name was yes. your name and address yes. was listed. So if you knew where somebody was, you could go to the phone book, and libraries had all of the phone books, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a very analog process to go do this. So white pages exist now on the internet. It's called white pages. It's a it's a a paid service, yeah. and you go through that. But Facebook is today's modern equivalent of that. Mm-hmm. You can go find out who there are and. People can post as much information as they want, and uh, you can look at the the genesis of where Facebook came from, and uh, I forget the name of the. Uh, there was a, anyway. That's a that's another rabbit hole. I'm not going down. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, uh, but I have it. I'm not a big fan of it, but it'll be interesting to see. A lot of people use it. Mm-hmm. You guys use Facebook? I'm off now. Not really anymore. I use, use it just it. to keep in touch with people if, if you know, we're not really Yeah, same way I would use way. it, yeah. Same. Sean, do you use it? I use it. How about for groups? For do you, you go to Facebook groups? Oh, events too. We use events. it for events. Yeah. I mean, it's no doubt that, that their growth is slowing and they are looking to, that this is their next big punt for sure. Like their users stagnated, their revenue growth is definitely slowing. And as they look into new, to new markets, it's trying to bring in, what is it, over a billion probably 1.5 billion people that don't have access to financial systems right now it's mm-hmm. incredibly lucrative opportunity for them to pursue just whatsapp two billion people have whatsapp well whatsapp well and then also wechat in china is huge oh mm-hmm. it's insane the numbers on wechat are obscene who owns yeah. wechat is it, is it one of the chinese companies right mm-hmm. uh tencent tencent yeah yeah so uh, anyway, very interesting. Uh, go back to just closing this out. You know, to me, Facebook launching Libra drives up Bitcoin price <laughs> for this reason. It becomes more and more mainstream. Yeah. The concept of using cryptocurrencies, digital cash, digital coins, uh, transfer payments outside of the banking system becomes more normal. It becomes more normal. More people use it. More volume. More volume is higher price. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, you know, so now, uh, you know, I'm going to reload and see what it's at. Still sitting at 9,900 on uh, Bitfinex right now. I don't know what the other exchanges are. Uh, uh, I can look at some of the other ones like, uh, let's see what Kraken's doing in that. Kraken's 99. I don't know if it's, it's accurate at bit. Oh, here we go. Kraken. 992, same price. So, um, Predictions? Does anyone dare to predict? <laughs> and before we do predictions, I, I wanted to look up that seizure. So the uh, Department of Justice released an announcement. They won't say the name of the group, mm-hmm. the Darknet, but it was a money laundering kind of a platform consortium. They eventually it took a year to track down the founder, and then they took him down. It led to the arrest of thirty-five other individuals, all U.S. Uh, or mostly U.S. Seizure of about three point six million in currency and gold bars. A hundred handguns, assault rifles, grenade launchers, a uh, bunch wow. of drugs, and about two thousand Bitcoin, which is like a value of like twenty million at the time. So oh it's my God. they used this huge money laundering operation on the dark net using uh, these currencies. Wow. And, but the thing is, again, if you have a nation state like the U.S. after you, they can use it against you. Yep. With the immutable ledger. Yeah. Yep. Crazy That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Again, very interesting. So now we're sitting, It's let's just call it, round it off to 10,000. And so uh, I'm going to say this. We're now sitting here. It's the day of the summer solstice. Uh, so we're almost halfway through the year. Uh, as we looked 
between do we think it hits 12.5 before it hits 7.5? Yes. Yes. The only question is how fast. I don't know. I mean, that's a – in fact, I'm, I'm invested in this. So, uh, I, But investing is not the right word. I have some. And so I, I want to see it go up, but I don't want to see it hit 12.5 tomorrow. If it's 12.5 tomorrow, it hits 7.5 the next day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So – I want to see a very slow, methodical, gradual, uh, up, a, a sustainable rise, not yeah. an unsustainable rise. Yeah. Do you think 20 by Christmas? Well, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because it's happened before. So I want, let's, let's, do two, let's do two predictions and, and not time-bound them so much because getting the timing right is, is as hard as getting the prediction right. 12-5 <laughs> or 7-5 next. 12.5. Yeah. Okay, so 12.5. The next one is, has Bitcoin at 19,000, let's just get the exact price on Bitfinex, what the highest price was. Um, it was 19, 19.890, so let's call it 19.9. Let's just round it off to 20,000. Has Bitcoin seen its all-time high, or will it see a, a, a higher price than what it hit during the mania? Ever? Yeah. Probably not. So it'll never go above 20. No, I said I said probably not. Oh, so you're saying it hasn't seen its all-time high? That it'll 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 hit, go over twenty at some point? I'm saying probably not. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> probably not to what? It probably has not reached its all-time high. Okay, so it will go over twenty at some point. I, I probably. I don't. Yeah. I don't. No, no, it's a prediction. We're I, guessing. I I, don't, I think it's going to hit twelve five before it's. I am not licensed 7, to give financial. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, we're not. We're not giving financial. We're making predictions. Okay, yeah. I don't. It's like predicting who's going to win the the Giants game. We're sponsored by the Cash App. <laughs> I can't see it. I just can't see it. Libra, get it. I remember the hype at the time when it hit that peak. So you think twelve five before seven five, but never twenty. I just, I, I just can't. It's like so hard to imagine it going higher than the hype price of before. But all right, Sean, what do you think? I think if you believe that it's going to be around, then it will. <laughs> It has to there, there, it's going to eventually. The only way it goes down or it doesn't hit reach that is if it fails. Yeah. So the question is, the whole uh, thing will it hit 30 or zero first? Yeah. I, th I, I actually think some of the, some of the uh, other companies are going to squash it out, but it's got a market cap of like 300 billion. I'm, I'm, oh, it's so I love all the crazy predictions. Like it's going to be a million by 2021. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, it costs nothing I, I'm, a, I, I'm yeah. on this web, I'm on this one website where these people who, I can't even say their names. I don't know who they are. I'm sure one million. So this guy, yeah, okay, Shamath Polypedia. I don't know how to say that, but founder of Social Capital, and he own, he's a co-owner of the Golden State Warriors. Okay, he used once. to work for Facebook, I think. This guy, right? Yeah. Right. He says one million on Bitcoin by 2037. I mean, that's 17, 18 years away. I, I'm just, you know, I don't know why he's saying it. This guy's a co-owner of the, the thing. Uh, Wences Cesares, CEO of Zappo. He is a Bitcoin wallet startup. He has a high conflict of interest here. Yeah. <laughs> he's a board member at PayPal. He says $1 million by 2027. Eight years? Eight years. John Pfeffer, partner at London-based family office Pfeffer Capital. Again, you know. 700K with no date. 
Really yeah. putting your name on the line, John. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, so far, I don't. None of these predictions are uh, mean anything to me. It's 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 like this, you know, a brain vomit. McAfee half now, a, this one, half a million by twenty twenty. This is <laughs> that's crazy. That's nuts. Next year. Yeah, he made waves of cryptocurrency world, but would be worth half a million dollars in, uh, by twenty twenty. But he went on to predict that it would be. Reach as much as two point six six million in the same time frame, meaning that I don't know yeah. when he made this prediction, but he's saying it's 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 going to keep going. This is a little old. I read somewhere up top it was when Bitcoin was around four thousand or something. Uh oh, there's a twenty nineteen update. So it, it where is that? Yes, yeah, twenty nineteen update. Go down, go down. Um, I think it go up. It was one one of the guys. Well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to the thing. Is CNBC? I'm gonna pull up the the source. This came out in September of last year, 2017. 2017. So this is so he said 500k old. in 2017. This is when in the middle of the hype. So Bitcoin was 3,888 in this right here. No, no, TJ, if you remember, we were at uh, Murphy's Tavern in uh, Virginia Beach talking about this around this time. It was it went from 3,000 to 4,000 in about a week. It was around this time frame, right after Labor Day. I remember you and I were talking. We we're having a beer, talking, about, and then, and then it dropped down to three thousand. I bought some more at three after that, and then it took off, and I bought some more. I chased it into the teens, and so I'm I'm probably a mixed bag on. I'll probably break even on. I made a lot on one. I lost it on another, but uh, he, so in the middle of the hype, he's saying half a million dollars. I don't know what he's saying now, but it's just it's interesting to see these people making predictions. I whether it's going to be worth a million dollars or not. I think I would say for sure. I, I'm almost certain it's going to hit. Over the twenty thousand at some point, I just don't know when. And I think the thing that would prevent it from happening would be an easier, rapid adoption of something else. That's what I think. So mm -hmm. it's yep. it's, yeah. it's not so much that that uh, cryptos are going to die; it's that blockchain will be obsolete. Not blockchain, Bitcoin will Bitcoin. be obsolete. Or that, or there's something else that comes That's what I'm in saying. that obsolete blockchain I think as a whole. Will squeeze it out. Because uh, first mover advantage in this right. place. So here's the thing: we all said twelve five ahead of seven five. This is we're recording this. So go there, and and so far, one three of us have said over twenty. Yeah, at some point, not no no date. Yeah, and you're saying you I don't think. think. think all right, so that's good. All right, so that's our that's our prediction. We'll you know by the time we put this in the can and get it out on the, it'll be it's gonna be it'll, it'll be twelve five. It's zero. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully. Well, th this is an interesting conversation. I'm sure we're going to revisit this concept. We'll probably do a little bit more of deeper dive as some of these other blockchain applications start to go more mainstream for like ticketing and things like that. And actually, just one last point. It's interesting with the fact that Facebook now has buy-in from. Mastercard, Visa. Yeah, all the big players. They've effectively blocked out those guys from really thinking about why would they start their own thing when they can just build a wallet on top of the Libra blockchain. So it'll be interesting. I'm fascinated to see how this starts to develop. Yeah, and the the time frame thing. The only real limit is, I mean, you you expect in 20 years. Who knows if blockchain as a whole is going to even be? It might be totally irrelevant. In which case, all of this would be useless. Well, you know, not, not to go off too much of a tangent real quick, but, you know, when we visited IBM's quantum computing facility, right. quantum computing mm. has the ability to uh, hash up and hash back 
right now we don't have the ability to hash back practically, mm -hmm. right? Once a hash is created, you can't reverse engineer it. Quantum computing allows you to reverse engineer it. <laughs> right. Like that. Yep. And so quantum doesn't solve every kind of hashing function. So there, so you know, actually one of the things you can do if, if you have uh, encryption for important data, like data at rest, encryption at rest, is to do a, uh, a quantum uh, exposure analysis to find out is your encryption methodology exposed to quantum computing hack? So the, the hashing itself is not vulnerable, but the keys, the public-private key system, yeah. will be vulnerable. So it's they'll they'll get your pretty much your password to get into the chain, but they can't hack the chain itself. The hashing is it's virtually impossible to undo. No, no, yeah, I get it. Yeah, so the the way the hashing works is you need two the the, the two large prime numbers that are generating that hash, right? I only partially understand this, and so I don't, I'm in the deep, the deep, without <laughs> sure. my swimmies, and I'm and I'm holding a brick. Not to say two, the two prime numbers thing is for asymmetric encryption, which is different than hashing. Hashing is one way, and you can't go back. Okay. I think the quantum hacks some of this stuff. Yeah, uh, we, we we did this research. Okay. For IBM. All right. So anyway, I, or, just, oh, I, just, I mean, we the, uh, we we, the, we we had IBM confirm it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, are we right? The brick just sunk me. I'm uh, sitting on the bottom of the pool. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so it's I think those kind of technology, those technology issues could could impact the future. But I think twenty thousand is going to get hit. I think twelve five is next. Uh, and when it hits those numbers, we'll come back and talk about it. Yeah. All right, Absolutely. great. All right, thanks, everybody. Good stuff. Thank Bye. you. Hey, thanks for listening to Pardon the Disruption. We'd like you to subscribe to our podcast if you like it. You can find us on most of the platforms where you get your podcast from, whether that be iTunes or YouTube or whatever you're on. Uh, we also want some feedback. What shows do you want us to cover? What do you like? What do you not like? So that we can do this. We're doing this for you. We're not doing this for anything else. So please subscribe and give us some feedback. Thank you very much.